Well, good morning. Great to have you guys with us today. And, uh, you know, it's like Steve said, it's 65. We skipped winter. Forget it. We're good, right? And, uh, yeah, you know, uh, yesterday for our family was an interesting day. We, um, we jumped in the car about 11 o'clock, uh, and we headed for South Africa. That's what it felt like anyway. We were going over to Missouri. We were driving along. Uh, we went actually to go pick up a puppy. And, uh, yes, it's true. I broke down. <laughs> Just go ahead and say you broke down. Yeah. Thank you, Steve. And, uh, so we did. We went and got a puppy. We went over to a uh, puppy shop out there and not a shop, but a, a woman who breeds out there in, in nowhere land, Missouri. Kid you not, we drove past elk. Elk were out there. What else was out there? Camels. Uh, I'm driving. I'm like, are we in Africa? Where are we? And uh, as we drove past all these places and end up in uh, this um, sweet farm and, and she's raising a little Maltese and poodle mixes. So we have moved from a lab, 75 pounds, to a cocker, 35, 40 pounds, to whatever this thing's going to be. <laughs> right now it's three pounds. It'll get up to about six or seven. We'll find out. But uh, it's sweet. You set the thing down, it runs right between your legs and sits down and just sits right with you. And uh, very sweet little dog. We were on a little faith journey yesterday as we uh, drove four hours. I'm talking to a friend and he's like, did you get there yet? No, dude, it's a four hour drive. Are you nuts? It's a dog, right? And uh, whatever. It ended up turning out really great. We got a sweet little puppy out of it. And so we have a dog named Toby now in our house. And uh, if I look like I'm not getting sleep, you know why, right? And uh, he did well last night though. Anyway, faith, man, that's what we're talking about is faith, stepping out, not just to get a puppy, way more huge than that. Like, God, what are you doing in our lives? Lord, what are you about? And what do you want me doing for you? And how can I be stepping out with you in faith to see what you might have in store? And faith, it's always been about faith. That's the title of the sermon today. It's always been about faith. And so turn with me, if you will, to Romans chapter four, Romans chapter four. And uh, we got the ushers coming forward. They got Bibles in their hands. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand and they'll get one to you, all right? Just keep your hand raised. They'll get a Bible there to you. We're going to go verse by verse through the first half of Romans 4 here, all right? It's always been about faith. What's that all about? Well, actually, if you go back to the end of 3, Paul is defining how we're saved. And we're saved by faith. And uh, he says, verse 31... Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. He's saying, look, I'm telling you, you've known about the law. You've known about this righteousness of God's demonstrated through the law. But it's faith that saves. And check this now. That's not some new plan. That's been the plan the whole time, all right? And God has worked with our forefathers from eternity past as he's worked with each one of them in faith. And uh, you don't believe me, right? Paul's saying, Romans 4, 1. Here we go. And, and so faith, how does it work? Let's just go point number one. Uh, as with Abraham, we are counted as righteous before God by our faith in him. As with Abraham... We are counted as righteous before God by our faith in him. All right. Verse one says, what then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God 
and it was counted to him for righteousness. All right, break it down. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? What did Abraham do by works that was of any value? And just, just so you know, a lot of good Jews reading that would have been like, whoa, the answer is much, mister, right? They were, they would be pretty defensive of the fact that Abraham was a great example of stepping out with God. We'll talk about that in just a second. But he goes on further. He says, for if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about. Uh, I love this tie. Uh, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Look, it is not by works. Otherwise, we could boast. You know, hey, dude, how'd you get to heaven? You would not believe what I did. Right? And uh, what makes you be able to stand in the presence of God? Well, when I was in my 40s, I did these things. Right? And uh, then we're starting to boast. The listing is our works. He's like, I'm telling you, it's not about our list. It's not about our works. And... And uh, for if Abraham were justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. Hey, you might be really impressed with Abraham. That's great. And he might even be able to show his works off before you people. And you might be able to go, wow, that's impressive. And God's looking and going, have you read Romans 1, 2, and 3? Right? That's you too, Abraham. And, and not so impressed right now and came up way short when measured against my glory. That's a problem. There is no boasting before God by our works. Not any human being anywhere. No one can boast in their works. Everyone say no one. That's who can boast in their works. No one. All right. And Abraham's included in that. So he says, for if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Abraham believed God, faith, and it was counted to him for righteousness. Did Paul just make that up? Where did he get that from? And uh, that's a direct quote right out of Genesis 15, all right? So let's make sure we understand the story of Abraham a little bit. Let's just back the truck up, little history lesson real quick here. We'll kind of do it in story form, all right? So, uh... Adam and Eve, God starts out and he's like, let's do some creating around here. Check this out. And he makes man and he's like, it's good. And then he makes woman with man and he's like, now that is very good. And look what I have made and watch what's going to happen as I am glorified through these people. And there's partnership and there's unity and watch this. And Adam and Eve, of course, we all know within moments of time. The distraction that comes is they're given also a free will element and uh, the fruit looks better than their king. Wow, what a mistake and how often we all make that choice, right? And we go after the stuff of this world instead of our God. And Adam and Eve choosing sin and the death spiral begins as they exchange the glory of God, Romans chapter 1, and they start tasting of the physical fruit of life and they've lost sight of their God. And it spins out within one generation. We already have murder. That's how bad it got and how fast it got. Can you imagine just for a moment? Perfection. And now it's ripped away and you feel shame. And you feel the weight of sin and guilt and desires you never had are now eating you alive. Can you imagine that moment as it all unwound before them? 
It got so bad that generation after generation, by the time you get to Noah, everyone is doing what's right in their own eyes. They're just going after sin and self and, and God's talking to Noah and he's calling out a righteousness in him. And he's like, dude, build me a boat. And Noah's like, what? Yeah, a boat. Build me a boat. It's going to take a long time. 120 years. Build. And, and I'm going to let the skies unleash. And here he is out here building and hammering. And people are like, what are you doing? It's going to rain. What is that? Right? They're completely unfamiliar with anything of the sort. And Noah faithfully trying to follow after God in the midst of a destroyed world. Gets this boat built, gets everything uh, with his family on board and the animals on board. And God unleashes on the place judgment. And uh, we're going to get this thing righted up and, and starts to work with one family. Uh, from that family, we actually see in Genesis 11, it says from the family of Shem, that's Noah's son. It spills downward. We get to Abraham. Okay. Abraham. And this is a man who is kind of hanging out in life. We don't know much about him. And all of a sudden, Genesis 12, verse one, God says, Abraham, Abraham, do me a favor. Leave your kindred, your family, and come over here. All right? It's called the crescent. It's called the fertile crescent, the valley. The It's this really awesome place to go. He's like, come over here, and I'm going to bless you mightily, and I'm going to bless the nations through you. And uh, leave your family. Remember that statement? Abraham. He's like this. Uh, okay. A lot. Nephew. Let's go on a trip. Did God not just say, leave your family? And Come on, Lot. Let's go. And as they take that step out, imagine that first step as you're getting everything organized and you go, here we go. The faith walk, right? Where you step out not knowing what's even going to come of it and you're following after in a way. Notice that is not when God said, your faith is counted to you as righteousness. Not then. Everybody say, not then. Not then. Not on the step out. That's not when it happened. Not when he's going along and walking together. Not when Lot all of a sudden kind of becomes a punk and really starts wanting the better property. And God's been calling Abraham. And they start wrestling through that whole thing. And then Lot, as he moves aside, ends up being taken captive. Great. The uninvited guest is now causing grievous problems. Right? And and so Abraham's like, all right. We're going to have to go to war and save my nephew. And here's the beauty of God. He's like, even in your not following me, I'm going to be working with you to teach you how to follow me. God blessed in the middle of that war. Abraham took over. Abraham dominated. He saved Lot. He took hold of all the properties. They were coming back home victorious. God's hand over them, even in slight disobedience there. And as they're coming back home, Abraham runs past the priest called Melchizedek. Have you heard that name before? Right? Melchizedek. And uh, that was almost our dog's name yesterday. <laughs> Melchizedek. And uh, wouldn't that have been disrespectful? I don't know. So I voted that one down. And uh, so Melchizedek. And Abraham's talking there and says, you know what? I give a tenth of all the spoils. A tithe. Hands that over. Thank you, Lord. First fruits of what you've given to us. And he gives over. Great first example. That's like in Genesis 14 there. And wow. God teaching 
in the midst of. And Abraham and Lot, they get back home and, and, um, you know what? Abraham is, uh, well, he's trying to figure out which way is up. The bottom line is, where are his descendants? And God says he's going to be blessed and the nations are going to be blessed through him. And he doesn't have any kids, man. Maybe God doesn't know what he's talking about. Remember, God has not yet said Abraham believed God. And so Genesis 15, God now starts talking to Abraham and says, Abraham, trust me. Your generations will be like the stars of the sky. Do you hear me? I will bless mightily through you. And for those who bless you, I will bless those that curse you. I will curse these world. This world will be blessed through you. Trust me. And Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Are you hearing me? Genesis 15. In that moment, he's been on the journey. God's been drawing him, but now he's locking into faith. Abraham believed God. It says, and it was counted to him as righteous like this. Abraham, like the stars of the sky. Abraham. Okay. All right, I can, I'm in. I'm in. And God goes, do you see who I'm working with? I declare this one righteous for his faith in me. Watch what I will do in him. One chapter later, Abraham's like, God's taken too long. I'm going to go take my slave and try to have kids with her. Think about that for a moment. God has declared him righteous And yet he makes that decision underneath that declaration. Is that not so the example of our life with him? As we put our faith in him and trust in him. And we're on this walk with him. And not perfection yet. And we're learning along the way. And Abraham makes a horrible decision. And yet God working with him and his faith being counted to him as righteousness. It was not his works that saved him. He believed God. And it was counted to him as righteousness. His faith started to wobble in a moment. And, and, and he's trying to figure things out. And it's not that he doesn't think God's not going to do it. He's like, maybe I misunderstood. Maybe it wasn't through Sarah. Hear how he's still got a faith, but it's a little messed up. And uh, man, maybe that's us in our walk sometimes. And um, Abraham, that's what's going on here. That's the story that he's talking about as he refers to it. The Jews would be like, oh yeah, that story. It's good for us to go over it here and make sure we understand the details. It's like three chapters. If you want to read it, go through Genesis 12, 13, 14, and 15. And uh, you'll learn more about that there. It's the story we just walked through. It says, Now, to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. You know, like when you work 40 hours a week for two weeks, that's equal to 80 hours, right? And you're paid $10 an hour. And you walk in and you're like, where's my $800 top line check, right? You owe it to me. I have worked for this and you owe it to me. And uh, that's works and wages. That's not salvation, right? And uh, we are not saved by our works. We don't hold God hostage with our efforts and he doesn't owe us because of it. In fact, we're found in one spot wanting before him, needing before him. And uh, that's Romans three twenty three, And uh, it says, so works, well, they beget wages. That's, uh, that's not a gift, uh, right? And uh, Christmas would be a lot less enjoyable if you're like, well, 
I was thinking about getting two or three gifts for you. Now work a hundred hours for it. You're like, that doesn't seem like much of a gift. Paul agrees with you. It's not a gift when you're working for it, right? And uh, so, and to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Praise be to God. To the one who does not work, but believes. Now, this does not mean that we can blow God off and continue to sin. And that's our goal. Just keep sinning and sinning and offending him. We just have to believe. In fact, that's probably not even defined as belief. True belief that God's at work begets works in us as he starts making true in us what he's declared about us, right? And so we're following after him. It's not that we're saving ourselves. It's not that we're keeping the salvation, but we're letting God have his way in our soul. That's what it looks like. And uh, saved, having faith. I, I love what it says here. It says, he justifies the ungodly. Justifies the ungodly. Those two words do not go together. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I take the ungodly and I declare them, you're fine. Like, what are you talking about? Man, we justify the godly. That's what our court systems are all about. You find the guys that are innocent and them you justify. You release them. You call them covered, right? Fine. And for the ungodly, you're like, hit the prison, bro. That's where you go. Work it out now, right? That's what it's supposed to be about. Justifying the ungodly. What's going on in that? This is God demonstrating his love for us and stating this. There is no payment we could ever make that would restore it. If we're looking for restoration, it's all in God's hands. So he takes on the unthinkable and he justifies the ungodly. Now we talked about the word justified last week a little bit. Okay. Justified. So let's just break it down again. Uh, three things about justification. Number one. It is a legal declaration. He's talking about your position with him. Justification. You are legally declared. Okay? Justified. Number two. It is an instant release of the debt of all your sin, past, present, and future. An instant release of the debt of your sin, past, present, and future. Justified. In that moment of faith, before anything else has gone on, as he declares over you, it is an instant release of the debt. And then number three, he is now declaring of us what he is going to do in us. Huge statement. He is now declaring of us what he's going to do in us. All right? It's a, think of it this way. It's a lot like a coin. All right? It's like a silver dollar coin here. And, uh, Pretty good sized coin, right? And uh, there's two sides to a coin, right? There's heads and there's tails. And uh, and we know that, right? We use these at like football games and we bring two sides together. We got the captains on each side together and we're like, call it in the air, right? And uh, we get ready and when we flip it, like call it in the air, Mike, ready? Heads, he calls. And it's heads. And Mike's like, great, I received the ball. Right? And uh, that's what the thing's used for. There's heads and there's tails. We're like, call it in the air. And they're like, I take an edge. (laughs) You're stupid. (laughs) Right? There's two sides, man. Heads or tails. Not, Not the edge, right? And we know there's two sides to the coin. Hey, justification. There's two sides to the coin. All right? And one side, sin is released. 
The debt of sin covered. The debt of sin covered. The other side. And he declares you righteous. You get that? Like here's how we usually walk around. My sin is covered. But I'm not righteous. You didn't declare the other side of the coin. He declares me righteous. True statement. He looks upon me and says, I have adopted this one. I am going to be working in this one. And there is a work that will be done over time. But I declare this one covered. Two sides to that coin. And man, make sure you live both sides of that coin. Or you will be living in this moment. Woe is me. I have sinned again. God must not love me. Do you see what we just did? We're beginning to twist it right back on, I'm earning his love. You are not. Just cooperate with him as he's doing a mighty work in you. We usually make the two sides of the coin. I am forgiven and now I better live like it. That's a mistake. Justification. I am forgiven and he has declared me righteous. And now he will work in me to make it so. Praise be to God. You hearing me? Please live both sides of that coin. Legalism comes from living one side of the coin. Live both sides. You will be rocked where you stand. Yeah, but I'm not, I'm not godly. Exactly. He justifies the ungodly. You and me. He justifies us right where we are. And he brings us forward. What a great privilege we have in our God. Uh, the right thing for God to do with the ungodly is to bring his wrath. Romans 1.18, right? The wrath of God is revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. But what he's doing is he's about the business of justifying the ungodly. As he brings the wrath upon himself with his shed blood as the replacement payment. We went through that all last week. So... uh couple of observations. Faith itself uh, is not our righteousness. Please hear that subtlety. Faith is not the righteousness. Okay? Our righteousness is in Christ. His shed blood. Our hope is in him. Faith is something he calls us to so that he can begin to enact in us. He asks us to believe. But faith is not the righteousness. The righteousness is God's to give and he pours it on from Christ alone. Okay? Huge deal. And uh, the verdict is he's declaring us saved. That's the end result. Saved. Loved. Covered. Mine. Uh, What a great extension of last week's passage. Uh, He then says, yeah, yeah, I know. I just told you about one guy. That's, That's Abraham. You're like, yeah, but are there any more examples? Yes, there are. So here's another one. Uh, just as David also speaks of the blessings of the one to whom God counts righteous apart from works. Now we have King David being spoken of, all right? This is uh, the second king in Israel. This is the one who's promised that the messianic king will come from and David's throne will rule for all eternity. And, and David's like, just so you know, forgiveness is where it's at, man. And listen to his quote. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven. Lawless, forgiven, and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Blessed 
forgiven, covered. Blessed, forgiven, covered. Are you hearing it? It's not blessed, perfect, awesome, earned it. It's blessed, forgiven, covered. Just say those three words with me. Blessed, forgiven, and covered. One more time. Blessed, forgiven, covered. That's the Christian walk. Praise be to God. We have a God who's willing to forgive. We have a God who's brought it to the cross on himself. We have a God who is amazing in what he's doing. Blessed, forgiven, and covered. David declares it. And uh, we have high hope in him. Man, may we put all our hope in Jesus Christ. Uh, I was talking to my daughter, Megan, this past week. And um, she has a friend at school. And, uh, you know, they talk back and forth, both sweet girls. And, and they're wrestling with their Christian walk. And their Christian walk in a public setting. And some of the tough circumstances. And, and you know, things can get emotional. They're both in their senior year of high school. And, and what's going on with? And how do I handle? And so she got this little... Um, this little canister and uh, she wrote only Jesus on it and she put it in her locker all right and then when anything comes up that really bothers her she writes down the situation on the piece of paper folds it up and throws it in the only Jesus can are you seeing it only Jesus can this thing is holding everything that I can't carry I'm giving over all of it to him and I'm trusting him I have faith in my God to be walking me through this and he's growing me along the way. And do you have an only Jesus can or is everything you carry an only I can? I'm going to get this done. I can get this right in me. I'm going to get this thing down, man. I'm going to white knuckle it till it happens. I'm going to muscle it home. I'm going to, I'm throwing it in the only I can bucket. Well, that's what brings stress. Uh, that's what brings a uh, lack of sleep. Uh, that's what can bring tears. That's what brings fears is when we're carrying the only I can bucket instead of recognizing that Jesus has this thing in hand. Are you willing to walk with him? Have faith in him? Look, I'm not talking about a first step, right? Abraham, he stepped out. He was being drawn. There was a process going on. And as Abraham followed with, the following was growing him and shaping him. It got to a point where God declared over him and he went, now that I believe and I lock in with. And even then it was with an imperfect belief along the way, trying to figure it out and let God have more of a way with him and Abraham growing in his faith, just like you and me. It's time for us to say, Lord, like Abraham, I know I need to grow. I know I'm carrying too much load and I need to set it down and I'm ready for that. Lord, I'm ready for my faith to be expressing your awesomeness right now. And uh, what's going on in your life that has you picking up the only I can bucket? Make it through. It's distracting you and making it all about you. Time to throw it in that bucket and give it to him. Faith with him. It's faith that saves. It's faith that grows us. It's faith in our almighty king. All right? Number two. We're talking about faith here, right? We do not clean up and then come to Christ, but rather come to Christ to be cleaned up. Got it? 
We do not clean up and then come to Christ, but rather come to Christ and then be cleaned up. This is a huge deal. This is everything about our salvation. Uh, when we try to make ourselves righteous and then come to him and go, hey, thanks for that cross. I didn't really need it, but right. That's kind of what we're saying. Get to him now and, and let him lead. Uh, verse nine. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? Here we go with those words again. What's up with those words in all these chapters? And Paul's speaking to the Jews and he's speaking to the Romans and he's making it clear to both sides. Listen to me. This is the same plan for y'all. Same plan for everybody. And uh, is it just for the circumcised, the Jews? Or is it also for the uncircumcised, everybody else, right? He says, we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? I love this question. Get ready. Remember how we talked about some meat of the word? Here comes some meat now. So get ready. Let's think a little deep. If you need to, go ahead. Turn your head back and forth. Loosen that neck up. Back and here we go. Get ready. A little bit of meat. How did it get counted to him? Was it before or after he was circumcised? Before or after? Don't you love when the Bible asks questions and then gives the answer right in it? Right? Was it before or after? And you're like, I don't know. It's like, answer. Uh, it was not after, but before that he was circumcised. It was not after, but before. Listen to me. His faith was expressed, Genesis 15. Circumcision was called for, Genesis 17. It was before circumcision. All right? Why is that a big deal? Well, because check out what he says here. The purpose of circumcision was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that righteousness would be counted to them as well. He's like, the model was given that salvation is by belief alone and it does not matter about this sign, this seal. That is, it just doesn't matter. That comes two chapters later and it's the way God's working with them along the path. What matters is that he believed and it was counted to him as righteousness. That's what matters, period. And so, no, uh, you don't have to be circumcised to be saved, right? He's saying you don't have to be Jewish. You don't have to have that done. Surgery is not required. It's a thing of the heart. He says right after it, he received the sign as a seal of the righteousness that he already had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. He's making the statement, hey, Jews, you guys are wanting to make a big deal out of this circumcision thing, man. And I'm not trying to make a small deal out of it, but hear me. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him his righteousness. And it was well before any of that ever came up or happened. Please do not make that the big deal. The big deal is faith. It's always been about faith. Faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in God Almighty. Trusting him as you take step by step with him. That's where it's at. He says the purpose was to show that those who aren't circumcised can believe as well so that righteousness would be counted to them as well and to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely the circumcised but who also walk in his footsteps. Man, this is a big deal. Is all Israel saved? Is every person who's Jewish because of their bloodline saved? Check this out, man. 
circumcised, great, but not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. Salvation is through faith. Circumcised, great. Uncircumcised, whatever. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. It's always about faith. It comes back to, we must believe in him. We must trust in him. We must see him as our almighty king and him as our replacement payment. Man, it is not just about getting saved, right? We've talked about that. It's not the diving board. The gospel is the entire pool we swim in. And we now have a God who's working with us and teaching us and growing us and shaping us. And this passage is hope that it's always about our Faith and him working a miraculous thing in us that he's already declared over us. Don't we? We often, even when we say faith, don't we? We're like, it's my faith. Oh, what if my faith wanes? And uh, man, God's declaring over you, you're righteous. And he's working in you. I heard a phrase this week. I'm going to extend it a little bit. God's job. This is what God is always doing. He is growing your trust in him. That's one thing he's doing. And you're like, why the pain? I'm growing your trust. Like, Why this thing came up and hang on. Watch me work. Right? I've declared over you that you are righteous. And we're now going to make that true. There's some things we need to be purging here. Follow with me. Okay? Uh, God is perfecting your worship. Romans chapter 1, everything falls apart when we exchange the glory of God for, right? And he's like, let me just teach you how to get back to the glory of me being everything, everything that we need to be about. And I've covered this before, but let me just say this. How in the world is that not selfishness and just wrong? How can God say it's all about me? I don't get to walk around saying that. Why can he say that? When you create the universe, you can say that. It's that simple. It really is. The creator is allowed to say things the created cannot say. The creator is like, I have designed you to worship me. This place will run unbelievably when I'm being worshipped maximally. And I'm correcting that right now in you as I perfect your worship. Here we go. All right. God is perfecting our worship. God is growing our soul. He's teaching us to trust faith. Um, let me just say this. There are, there are at least three facets to faith. Let's look at those today. Three facets to faith, like a diamond, you know, where you move it around in the light and it flashes light at all different angles. Three facets to faith. All right. One facet, the focus. What is your focus on? Man, do not have faith in faith. Have faith in your Lord Jesus Christ and God doing the mighty work. Are you seeing the difference? If you have faith in faith, it's back to you. Faith saves. Why? How? Because the almighty God has come down. He's provided a replacement payment at the cross. He has said he will declare you just. He will work in you to transform you. His glory will pour over you. He will be your rock, your redeemer, your fortress. He will be your almighty king. Have faith in him. Not faith in faith. Okay? Focus. It's on God himself. All right? 
focus. Number two, uh, intensity. Your faith needs intensity. And uh, just heard this being spoken yesterday. I thought I'd just throw it in at the end here. It's a great statement. Uh, Peter walking on the water with Jesus. Remember that story? So they're sitting in the boat. The thing's going tumultuous. Boat's up and down. Jesus walking on the water out to him, right? Why not? I created everything. I can walk on it, right? So Jesus is walking out there. And as he's getting out, Peter's like, call me to you so I can come to you, right? Everybody else is like, you're nuts. Get in the boat and stay in the boat, dude, right? And Peter's like, I'm going. And he jumps out, trusting Christ. There's intensity in that. He gets out of the boat. He's going after him. He's taking chance with him. He's seeing that his God has things in store for him. And how's your intensity? Are you just hanging in the boat in fear? Or are you stepping out with your God? Right? Intensity. And uh, now Peter takes about four steps. And then we find the third facet. Uh, I just called it perseverance. Um, you could call it longevity, whatever you want to say. How long does your faith last? Right? Peter steps out and he's like, this is awesome. And then a wave slaps up between him and Jesus and he can't quite see for a moment. And he's like, this is not awesome. Right? And he starts going down. And, and Jesus says, oh, you of little faith. Faith can be little and faith can be large. How's your faith? All right. Faith, a focus on Jesus Christ, faith, an intensity to step out, taking that risk, seeing God in charge, faith, and a willingness to persevere despite the circumstances, despite the circumstances. God, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be distracted. I want you worshiped and glorified. And how are you doing with your faith? Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him as righteousness. Faith saves. And yet, within that walk, Abraham was still learning to get that faith stronger, more intense, uh, more undistracted. And uh, what's going on in your walk that's distracting you? What events, what person said something to you, what someone wrote you an email or called you on the phone or nastily jabbed at you where you felt like this is not right. And, and so you took your eyes off of him and said, I'll handle it myself. And maybe your job going totally awry. Maybe, um, maybe there's a battle within your home as a spouse What's getting you and distracting you from allowing God to do in you what he's already declared of you? It's time to let him have his way with you. I'm telling you, there is no greater satisfaction than when you are completely out of control and you watch his hand handle it. There is no greater moment than when you go, now that's my God. It's him I'm worshiping, man. Did you see what he just did? I'm telling you, you will see the hand of God more and more as you lean on him more and more. And the more you bring it in and control it close to you and use the only I can can, the less you're going to see of your God. Let him reign. Let 
him rule. Let him teach you. Let him shape you. Let him grow you. His spirit pouring over you. Literally saying these words. I love you. And I've got you in this one. Trust me for your good. It's going to be a tough little walk. But we're going together. Now watch what I can do. Your God. Calling you to a faith walk. With him. It's always been about faith. It'll always be about faith because we can't carry the load. Amen? May we lift our God up and celebrate him with all we've got, not letting our fears take over, but giving him our all. Let's pray here.